Shumrabyug. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Sure Look, Sure Listen, the podcast that takes a pop at culture. Sure Look, Sure Listen. 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 Very good, Benjamin. I've added an artificial delay in there just to confuse you. Benjamin, there's no room for people to hear about any of our pre-podcast recording antics because we've got loads of stuff to talk about. Sure, look, for example, the Mighty Nine, Benjamin, is that too much Dungeons & Dragons? Also, we have to have a look at Netflix's new show or movie. I don't know which one it is. We have a ghost straight up out of the 80s, Ben. Also... It's a good week for horror trailers because we have both Infinity Pool, which is a modern psychological horror of watch out what are people thinking, and Boogeyman, Benjamin, which is like the Babadook, but 10 years too late. And we've also had a bloody trailer for flipping Shazam, Shazam, as you say. Shazam 2, yeah, Shazam 2, 10 years too late. Also... Bloody hell, this is a lot. Also, Benjamin, you've seen The Last of Us Episode 2. I haven't. You've seen Lockwood and Co. Season 1, and I don't even know what that is. And we've both watched four episodes of the new Disney Plus show, Extraordinary, featuring Irish people, Suspos. Sure, listen, Michael, that, be, might, that very well might be enough. It might be enough, actually. Yeah, I think, I think no, that's we'll it. Just I wrap think it up there. But just in case, Michael. Yes. And to make this not a waste of our time... We've had to sit through something this week, Michael. You and Go I. Go on. What is it? Because back in the days of our youth, our halcyon mm. days, if you will, Michael, we we casually oh the hubris. Yes. Michael, Go on. We casually turned around and said, you know, you know what's coming out in February. What was it? An M Night Shyamalan movie. Oh, they're so good now. Yeah, they're great. They're, they're, rare misses, all hits usually. You know, mm. there's that one where people get old really quickly. Yeah, what was that called? That that was called Age Old. It was it was, it was, it was called Old. It was called Old. I thought old. I thought you were doing a bit, but you were. You just didn't know what it was called. I just didn't know what it was called, Michael. And Michael, you and I said, "Do you know what we'll do to be topical?" Topical, yep. To be on the pop culture pulse. Yes, go on. We'll watch Lady in the Water because that was good, wasn't it? That was that no. was his last kind of good one, Michael. We were wrong. No, it wasn't. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't good at all. Good. Wasn't good at it all. Wasn't good. In but you fact, look, Ben. Quite oh, bad. Quite bad, in fact. But you look, Ben. We don't have time for that because you you explained to me, Ben, the significance of why the Mighty Nine having a TV show is significante. Uh, Michael, it's another one from the Critical Role lads. Oh, they're on a roll. They're on a real roll, not with an L E, Michael, but an R O L L. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As the right. idiom would put it. Yeah, look, they're they're having they're so hot right now, Michael. Vox Machina season two, it's on out there. We've we've been watching a bit of it here and there. It's quite good. You know, people love Critical Role, Michael. It's also num 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 right on the heels of the OGL license scandal debacle. Oh yes, yeah. So what's happening there is Michael. They've just put another one out there because there's a wave, Michael, of fan backing for all the third party Dungeons and Dragons content that's being made. Right and. That's that's how it works. That's that's basically what's happening. Benjamin, they, were Critical Role fans worried that they were going to have to wait years and years of Vox Machina series before they got a Mighty Nine series? And then it turns out, no, you needn't hold your horses. They're going to be concurrent. They they are apparently going to be concurrent. I don't know. Are they contemporaries? In, in, in the fictional world that Critical Role has built for themselves, are these two parties that exist in the same timeline? I don't I don't know. They exist in the same timeline, but they're they're contiguous, not contemporary. So the the Mighty Nine is set after the Vox Machina, is my understanding, Ben. Interesting. So we might get are there are there older Vox Machina characters that make a little appearance, a little there, how do you do? I think there are. I think there are. I don't know. I haven't seen it, but I think there are. It's very clever synergy, Michael. Isn't it a good synergy, Ben? But now it's going to be consecutive. Benjamin. Yeah. Speaking of synergy. Go on. What about Captain America and the Red Guardian? Those those two things overlap very well, yeah, yeah. Michael. Synergy. <laughs> what, I Ben? Think. What about if one of them's a ghost? Ooh, 
Or as you say, a ghost. A ghost. You only a wee ghost. It's grand. Yeah. Benjamin, what is this? What is the Netflix film We Have a Ghost? So, Michael, I think, I think Go on. Go on. somebody watched Paul Feig's Ghostbusters. Right, yeah. Um, with all the ladies in it. And Thor. And Thor. Mm. And they said to themselves, that's good. And everybody oh, else went, eh. How was it? Eh. I don't, I don't think so friend and he went no 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 it is I'm going to I'm going to write an homage to it and then they went they happened to be in a bar with David Harbour before he got really famous Benjamin David Harbour has been famous for too long now you can't write this off as David Harbour wasn't famous this has been made because David Harbour is super famous yes, <laughs> yes and has, has low Michael, standards th- this is a this is a weird sympathy for the ghost narrative that we seem to be getting mm. and what's happening in that is is David Harbour plays a I think it's Stanley is the name of the ghost in the trailer. I can't remember. He's got a schlubby American name like that. Eugene? Eugene. It could be Eugene. It could, it could be, be something like that. We're not 100% sure, Michael, but what's what's happening in this is is very much... They find a ghost, and oh. rather than being scared of the ghost, as you traditionally would, Michael, they turn it into a social media sensation. Because, Benjamin, it's the modern world and everything's about social media now. It's not about being scared of ghosts anymore. It's about putting things on social media. Yeah, and the dad's cashing in. He's making money. Mm. Yeah, it's pretty good. And um, But then it turns out that poor Eugene slash Stanley, Yuanli... It's, er- it's Ernest. Or Stu Jean. <laughs> Ernest is his name. Stu Jean from now on. Okay, Stu Jean. Stu so Jean. <laughs> poor Stu Jean is misunderstood. He's a mute... He's a mute presence in the house and he goes out to kind of find out what happened to him. Ben... Everything about this, except for the the cinematography, looks so mid-90s. This is just the most incredibly... uh, How is this not a film that came out in 1996 with Brendan Fraser as the ghost? It's very well I just don't understand it. It's it's it has the ring of bedazzled off it, Michael. Bedazzled California man. Any sort of look at this weird freaky creature we've found... Harry and the Hendersons. It's like it's Alf. It's Alf, but with a ghost. And the yeah, ghost and it is turns David out he has a heart of gold. Mm. Maybe yeah. he doesn't. Maybe he's or all may, gross and creepy. Maybe that's maybe a good not. twist. Yeah. That would be a what's good that, twist. What's Anthony Mackie doing? Has he got nothing better to be doing? I, I don't know. I, I This is going to get me in trouble, but I get the distinct impression that Anthony Mackie's not a lot of fun to be around. Do you think he's no crack? I think he's no crack. I think Anthony <laughs> Mackie is a man who takes himself very seriously. Oh, and you can make jokes about other people. You can't make jokes about Anthony Mackie. I think Anthony Mackie is the kind of lad who, you know, has a bit of a schlagging at a party. And then someone makes even the slightest quip back at him. And he's like, yeah, well, your your mum is dead. I think you're confusing him for his character Clarence from the film Eight Mile. <laughs> also also a dickhead that might be why Ben that might be why <laughs> but look Benjamin from comedy horror to true horror it's a good yeah. week for horror trailers oh Michael that's a buttery smooth segue Michael Thank we got you. two of these two interesting ones at least two interesting boys uh, we mm. got Infinity Pool and we got Boogeyman 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 I'm going to say Boogeyman. That's how I've always yeah. said it. But, Michael, one is a classic Stephen King adaptation and one looks like a Cronenberg nightmare. A Cronenbergian nightmare. Let's talk about Boogeyman first, Ben. Go on. Boogeyman, Benjamin, is a very, very old Stephen King, very short story. It's like six pages. And it's it's told entirely in a single scene. The, the Boogeyman short story, Ben, is told in a single scene of the main character telling his therapist how the boogeyman has killed his family. Oh. And it's creepy and gross and the monster is like, the monster, we never see it or see how it described or anything, but, oh, maybe a little bit. But it's creepy and gross. But nothing is more creepy and gross about it than the fact that the dad in it is the most incredibly misogynistic, racist, homophobic, oh. um, child-hating... He's just awful. He's probably the worst character that Stephen King has ever written. And, That's terrible. I mean, he's written to be terrible, Benjamin. But, you know, if you don't like um, uh, 
if you don't like seeing some of the words that you're not allowed to say anymore, you wouldn't want to read 1979's The Boogeyman. 1979. Because 1979, Benjamin. This oh, is a real old Stephen King one. There's some proper racism in there, oh, I'd imagine. Some very good racism, Benjamin. Some top-notch <laughs> racism. Because 1979 Stephen King is just riding the cocaine wave Stephen King. Well, but I mean, he's he's still, like, Stephen King is a leftist liberal, obviously. Yeah, he's and, a liberal cook. Yeah, and the... Uh, Oh, we're losing track of what's irony and what's real. And any of the characters who he has as racists are very, they're not depicted kindly. Like, we're not supposed to like this guy. No. But it is still shocking in 2023 to read 1979's Boogeyman short story. But the reason I'm saying this, Benjamin, is it looks, this movie looks absolutely nothing like the short story. Other than they've taken the name for it. And gone, you know what was great? Insidious. I think that made loads of money. Can we just do that? Let's just do a big Insidious. What could we call it, though? Could we call it Suspicious? Could we call it bloody um, Facetious? Facetious the movie? It's like, oh no, I think there's a Stephen King thing from 1979 with lots of salty language in it called Boogeyman. How about that? What about Boogalicious? No, 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 go a step back. Go step back. Bootylicious. No, that's actually, I think Destiny's Child still have the rights to that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, look, it looks... It, interestingly, Ben, this was already adapted into a very short film by an Irish director. Get about, fift, about 15 years ago. Go on, tell me more about that. We love well, an Irishman's a boogeyman. We do, Benjamin. And that seems much closer to the original short story than this, which this does not seem anything like the original short story whatsoever. Okay. It's, it really is nothing to do with it. So calling this a Stephen King adaptation, in my opinion, Benjamin, as a Stephen King fan, if they didn't get Mike Flanagan to do it, we should have known it wasn't really a Stephen King adaptation. I'm of the firm belief that if Mike Flanagan doesn't do it, it's not horror. Very good, Benjamin. Mm-hmm. Well, then what about the upcoming Cronenbergian Infinity Pool? Is that horror? Michael, commentary. It, it looks like it looks like a classic. Or is it is it monsters or is it just people being terrible? Is this existential dread? Is that what mm. it is? Benjamin, is this a Cronenberg gig? Uh, that's a great question, Michael. I think it actually is. I think it's. Yeah, I think it's, it's his a, son. Yeah, it was a leading question. I I did know that. Oh, you I was, got I was me. Trying, you lit- I thought you. I thought you already knew, Ben. I was trying to set you up to look clever. It was, but I couldn't remember his name, Michael. So <laughs> let's just say David Cronenberg Jr. David Cronenberg Jr., Michael, has come to us with, uh, first of all, he's gotten Mia Goth. So hot right now. So hot right now. Mia Goth, Benjamin, she's going to be huge in 2024. Yeah, she's going to be the next bloody Jenna Ortega. Mm, probably. She already is, practically. The two of them are rising stars in their own right because they were both in Pearl mm. together. Oh, yes. And, Michael, uh, Mia Goth, very good at playing a scary character. That seems to be what she mostly does now, is shout like a maniac. She's very good at it, though. She's got it down mm. pat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, got it down pat. Uh, path, pat. Mm. Got it down pat. But come here to me, Michael. This has big, scary Alexander Skarsgård in it. Not Bill, who's also very scary. Yeah, in different ways. But Alexander Skarsgård has come along and gone, well, Bill's not getting all the horror credit. I'm going to really throw my hat in the ring here. He's very well-tailored hat, I'd imagine. He strikes me as a man who has tailored hats. Yeah, but he would. This seems to be a rich couple on a hollybop. Mm. And they seem to have gone somewhere they're not supposed to go, Michael. And do you think they might have secrets? Oh, I, th- I think everybody has skeletons in the closet in Cronenberg. If not skeletons, then a mutated lump of flesh in the, sc- mm. in the closet. Benjamin, is it true that David Cronenberg Jr. wasn't born through natural means? He actually just spawned off of David Cronenberg. That's why he's called David Cronenberg Jr. He's a literal morphing. (laughs) Oh, he just slithered onto the floor and started directing movies. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. But anyway, it looks like a little bit of a treatise on rich privilege. It looks like a little bit of a treatise on, you know, what, what rich people can get away with. There's a lot going on in this film, Michael. And then it seems to go right off the deep end into kind of a murder orgy. But Benjamin, it's about clones, I think. Oh, yeah. So I think it's about clones. I think it's about, is it, is it okay to kill clones or not? I don't know. It, it, 
It's straight. No is the, is the first answer. Oh, is it? Is it not? Probably okay. not. Oh, okay. No, That's no. It's probably about that, but it's not okay to kill clones. Well, it's, um, it's almost a Rick and Morty esque uh, take. Yeah, but if it was serious with ethical dilemmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to uh, just a clone, Morty. Don't worry. Yeah. We can't do this anymore. He's a now, sex Ben, I heard your, uh, I heard your, um, <laughs> I heard your auditioning. Yeah, I've put in six tapes, Michael, um, for the recasting. And I've just used the time to shout "fuck you," Justin Roiland, down the <laughs> microphone. That's probably what season seven will be, Ben. Anyway, look, we're talking about Infinity Pool. Is it okay to kill them clones? Probably not. You reckon? Probably, probably not, Michael. But come here to me. I, I think. This is this has got some Dostoevskian kind of like crime and punishment vibes to it. It's got some, you know, what? Where do we draw the line on punishment? Are rich people allowed to avoid all consequences? How does this work? What's going on? Hmm? Mm. Hmm. Don't go on holiday to this place. I'd say don't don't go to Split in Croatia. Don't do it. Is that is that where it is? That's it's got it's got a real whack of Croatia off it. That's all I'm saying. Is I see I got a kind of like Southeast Asia vibe off it, like a Singapore Malaysia vibe. Oh, okay. Now obviously the people aren't Singaporean or Malaysian, but um, you know I got that vibe of everything here is illegal and the punishment is crazy. Come here, come here to me, Michael. Did what you get it? a did you get a a sex tourism vibe off it? There was a little bit of a sex tourism vibe or a like. You know, this is a holiday resort for people who've killed their own families or something. Yeah, there's there's a real whack of we do unspeakable things in the dark because we have money. Yeah, there was a bit of a whack of the recent movie The Menu about it in in some ways. I haven't seen The Menu yet. I really want to see The Menu. It's quite good, Benjamin. It has a similar whack of wealth and freedom from consequences and come onto this island and we'll reveal all your gross secrets. It has a similar whack to that. Up to about the halfway point, we haven't talked about The Menu, Ben, because it doesn't really fall into our niche. It's not in our niche. Up to the halfway point of this trailer, I was thinking it doesn't really fall into our niche. But then there was clones. But then there was clones and weird and ugly like, bugly masks. Yeah, ugly bugly masks. And yeah, and then I thought, oh no, we will have to watch it. And Benjamin, I should just point out, it's Brandon Cronenberg and we both do know that. And, yeah. you know, in honour of the person who's put a lot of work into this, let's say his real name, yeah. but we'll, Sorry, we'll go Brandon. back to call him David Cronenberg Jr. and suggesting that he's some sort of amorphous glob now. Yeah, we, we take now all that, that back. we've addressed the fact that we do know that he is a real person and a real man. And this is, uh, you know, probably good. It's probably going to be very good, Michael. I probably won't enjoy it, which is always the sign of a good horror film. Yes, exactly. Benjamin, yeah. speaking yeah. of films we won't enjoy, Shazam Bloody 2, um, get, get, Game of Thrones, there's a big dragon, and we're going to say Khaleesi and there's a big dragon loads of times show all the young people that we understand pop culture from eight years ago. Nothing dates a film quicker <laughs> than a quip. Oh, Benjamin. Also, you know, I always think about stuff like this, Michael, but you can't have a Game of Thrones in the world of DC because people have seen dragons in the world of DC. There's probably a barbarian race and it's probably racism to make those kinds of jokes. (laughs) Not all barbarians are savages. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Who's called a barbarian? No, I mean Khaleesi and then you'd have, you know, Khal Drogo and stuff like that and people would be like, no, 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 no. That's that's a very poor depiction. We have exactly that in real life. Go on, tell me more. Well, I mean, any time you you depict a race as evil, they're generally based on some sort of... You know, Klingons were very obviously... What were the Klingons again? The Klingons. Yeah, I mean, the Klingons had touches of Japanese culture about them and, you know, know, the whole honour and all that sort of stuff. And any, any, any alien race or fantasy race probably could be accused of being... I mean, all you have to do is look at Tolkien, Benjamin, and people's accusations that the orcs were just non-Europeans. <laughs> I one of my one of my favorite things that I've recently found out about J.R. Tolkien, and this is apropos of nothing. Well, it's apropos of this conversation that we're having. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It it turns out that you know his dwarves are very much Jewish coded and very racist as a result. And apparently, as the story goes, he didn't know that. Well, I Until mean, if you if you don't consider Jewish people to be gold obsessed hoarders, 
and you just make a race of gold-obsessed hoarders and you've never heard of Jew- of that stereotype of Jewish people. And then someone comes along and says, that's actually racist towards Jewish people. Mm. Is it not the person who saw the horrible gold-obsessed hoarders and then thought, oh, just like the Jews. Are they not the racist? More so than the person who created it. Are you saying that racism is in the eye of the beholder, Michael? I'm saying that, um, yes, sometimes. Anyway, it turns out that J.R.R. Tolkien had no idea about this until he got a fan club letter from the Nazis. Oh, the Nazis. The Nazis famously. And they said, oh, we love what you've done with the dwarves and the Jews. And <laughs> Jacob yes, Dogg went, oh, fuck. We always knew that this would be the downfall of Erebor. And they're doing a big wink. Big old wink. But uh, anyway, Michael, sorry. What's this got to do with Chasm? <laughs> it's got nothing to do with Chasm. So Chasm is back and I couldn't care less, Michael. Oh, Benjamin, all his friends have superpowers, but Lucy Liu's going to take them. They got, they got, I tell you what, they got serious mileage out of that dragon in the trailer. Yeah, it's, it seems to be, that's the main point. If you want to see Shazam, but also a dragon, come and see this film. And Lucy Liu is in it, and uh, Helen Mirren's in it. So they're both famous. Yeah. What do you so, think of that? In a, in a fun kind of turn of events, and it, continuing the long line of DC stars shooting themselves in the foot previous to their film being released. Oh, very um, good. What has unfortunately, Zachary... Levy has just tweeted anti-vax support. Oh, good lad. Just before the release of his big movie. I think he was always a bit of a noted slight weirdo. Yeah, so un- unfortunately for him, well, not unfortunately yes. for him because I don't think he's a great guy, but, uh, you know, karmically for him, yes. people are now digging into the things that he's done and there are quite a few incidents, Michael, <laughs> that mm. uh, have not gone very well for him. Um, apparently... He got very, very drunk on the Joe Rogan podcast. Oh, who doesn't? Uh, And went on a racist tirade. So much so that Joe Rogan pulled the episode. Get out of here. And Joe Rogan didn't didn't even pull the episode with your mate Elon Musk. Not with my pal Elon Musk, who was blitzed 420-ing all day. (laughs) Blitzed 420. That's that's a cool reference so the kids know that we're down with them. down with drugs. Benjamin. Yeah, Zachary Levi, I've always had doubts that I thought he, I think he might be a bit odd. Anyway. Turns out he might uh, be a bad egg. Might be a bit of a bad egg. This inspires in me no excitement whatsoever. Just <gasps> the very fact that this is coming out three months after or four months after Black Adam failed and is unrelated. It's just, figure it out, DC. But it's, Please. It's, it's such a fumbling of the ball because, like, <laughs> can, you, can you imagine if you got Shazam, which is arguably their only decent property in the last saying, couple of years. You're saying that a bit funny. What were you saying that? Oh, sorry, I meant Shazam. Sorry. Shazam, yeah, the film Shazam. Yeah. You have the film Shazam. Benjamin. Yeah. If he said Shazam, would the lightning bolt strike him or does it no. have does he have to pronounce it properly? That's not the magic word. Okay. It's the same word though. It's not. It's just pronounced differently. Phonetically different. Phonetically different, but the same word. That's the thing about magic, Michael. You have to be awful specific phonetically. Oh, very good. Okay. It's Wingardium Leviosa, not Wingardium not Leviosa. Leviosa. Yeah, very good. Um, sorry. Anyway, what were you saying? Uh, no, I was just saying, like, you could have had a great little crossover, a really evil kind of Black Adam intervening thing. What the? What wasn't the love there? And instead, it's like, no, they're not connected. Oh, but they're not they, connected. They use the same magic word and he has the lightning bolt on his chest and it's, it's, it's all to do with the wiz- No, no, no. Same wizard. Not connected. Not connected. No, no. Also, is this Shazam the last of the pre-James Gunn era? Oh, no, yeah. Flash. Well, I mean, the Flash should really be put in a deep dark. The Flash needs Raiders of the Lost Ark treatment immediately. Put it in the big warehouse. Put it in the big warehouse. Just with leave Bat it there. Girl. It's grand. Grand. With Batgirl and the 1979 Stephen King story, The Boogeyman. Or swap it out. Not with The Boogeyman, with Batgirl. <laughs> yeah, but that, st- that story can stay where it is. Benjamin, look, we'll see it, I suppose. Well, I will. You probably won't. I, pro- I probably won't, Michael. I notably don't watch movies for our pop culture podcast. Yeah, yeah, it's almost a problem. You'll get a dose of Streptococcus auris that week. Benjamin. Very nice. Speaki- speaking of not watching things, I haven't watched The Last of Us episode two. It just didn't... Didn't grip me. Didn't grab you. I did, no. Michael. I, I watched it. And I have to say... Go on. 
this episode didn't grab me. Oh, God. <laughs> so that's really unfortunate. This is the most negative podcast on no, the no, internet. No, 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 no. Award for worst kiss in television history. Oh, yeah. Wins. Who's By doing a, a big kiss? Huh? Who's doing a big kiss? So there's there's a there's an L spoiler here for The Last of Us Episode 2, in case you haven't seen it yet. But Episode 3 is out now, so we're miles ahead in terms of pop miles culture ahead. news. Yeah. But um, poor L... What's what's her name? The, the famous actress, sci-fi actress? Anna Torv. Anna Torv. She kicks the bucket in this one, Michael. Oh, she gone already. She gone already. She got she got oh. bitten by an infected, and then she sacrifices herself. Oh no, Anna to, Torv. to help Ellie and Joel escape. And Michael, it's awful. She gets cornered by an infected who comes in and does the cordyceps through the mouth thing. Oh no! And gives her a big shift. He does it really oh, slowly. Oh, no. And it was like Toby Maguire. Oh, gross. And I was just like, oh, no, my goodness, no. No. Oh, oh, no, I don't want it. Once again, Michael, what's stealing the show here is the pre-show scene. Um, this time we get a a shot, I think, in, in Bali, in Indonesia. Oh, yeah. And we get a... a, a mycologist? Am I, am I... Yeah, a mycologist. Someone who studies mm. mushrooms? No, it's someone who studies me. Oh, Okay. Yeah, what's a, what's someone who studies mushrooms? Um, uh, my college is, uh, I thought you were going to say a fun guy. Um, a fun, but, he's a real fun guy, Ben. <laughs> real fun a guy. Mycologist, Ben. A Mike. Go- Do you get it? A yeah, I got, it. I got it. Good man. Good man. Anyway, we get a cool scene with that where a woman just realizes she's a mycologist and she's brought in to investigate an outbreak early on. You know, in the early days of the the Last of Us oh, infection. Yeah. And she, her advice is: you have to bomb the cities, you have to destroy them. There's, there's no containing this. It's, oh, wow. it's not going to go very well. And very harrowing stuff, Michael. Very, very good. Some of the action, quite good. Um, we got the famous scene from the game where we're first introduced to the clickers. Oh yeah. So we got a lot of that. Um, is everyone just clicking around, going? Oh, it's much worse, Michael. Have you ever heard the clickers from the last? No, go on, do it for me. Okay, so it's like they do the, they do the clicking thing. They do the. And they do that awful like thing, but then they scream every once in a while, and they go, Aah! and it's awful, oh, it's terrible. Like Matthew Mercer, like Matthew Mercer, Michael, mm. but all the time. Oh no, that's too much, Matthew Mercer. It's too much, Matthew Mercer. Um, but anyway, come here to me, <laughs> what is it? Um, look, it was a good episode, but I, I, I felt the pacing kind of dropped off this time. Off the case in episode two. A lot of creeping around, a lot of slow checking out of buildings. And the one thing that's not very entertaining, Michael, is people tensely checking out buildings. Great in a video game, though. Great in a video game. Top mm. class stuff. Mm. Not so great when you're watching it. Because ah. you're just like, eh. That's always the problem, isn't it, eh. Benjamin? What in the holy heckington is Lockwood & Co? What so is Michael, it? I w- I, what I, is I was, it? I was influenced what is it, Benjamin? this week. What is it? I was fully influenced what this week, it? Michael. What is it? I was fl- flicking around Netflix. What is it? And then it turns out the number one show on Netflix this week was Lockwood & Co. No. Now, we saw the trailer for this a few weeks ago, Michael. I think it was pre-Christmas, actually. So, qu- quite a few weeks ago now. Anything that happened before Christmas means nothing to me, Ben. And, Michael, it's set in an alternate London. Oh, and in, in where the everyone's alter- sound. Where everyone's <laughs> ah, you Take that London. Yeah, Take that London. <laughs> Took him down a peg. But anyway, it's set in this alternate London, um, Michael. And in this London, ghosts are real. They're fucking everywhere. And they're very, very dangerous. Oh. So this is an alternate London, Michael, where um, what you have is... It, basically, you have the government... Yep. who now enforce a curfew because if you're out after dark, ghosts will come and get you. Oh, no. And they will fuck you up. They will, like, oh. kill you. Oh, Straight no. up. Yeah. That sounds no use. Even David Harbour. Even David Harbour. He's going to get you in this oh, particular no. world. So it's very, very interesting. In this, it's really, really bad. But it turns out, Michael, that the only people that can properly see ghosts are children. Oh, yeah. That's a common enough trope. And there's a very interesting kind of... Um, a very interesting enforcement of new law and basically children are recruited into agencies to hunt and clear ghosts. That's what they oh, do. Oh, that sounds exciting. And I would love to do that when I was a child. Yeah, it's it's not. It's awful. <laughs> it would have been so, better than the coal mines, Ben. 
but that's you see that's the parallel that's drawn so up in the north of England for example children are sold off by their parents to and the worst thing about it is it's kind of like if you became a child actor and your parents would spend all your acting money before you turned 18 yes so it's the same thing your parents sign you off to an agency they collect your paycheck and you're put in the line of fire constantly you and I are intimately familiar with that issue Ben it's happened to both of us Michael my parents have all my podcasting money <laughs> they do. They do. They do, Everybody. ladies and gentlemen. They do. He oh. has to give it to them. It's very strange. <laughs> Benjamin, is it set in the now times or the past times? It's set in the past times, from what I can tell, Michael, in and around the 70s or 80s. Oh, very interesting. Uh, and that One makes it interesting. Times. I thought originally, Michael, when I was looking at it, because I, I was looking at it and I said, um, oh, it must be. Um, it must be, you mustn't be able to use like tech with ghosts and stuff because there's people reading newspapers and there's people making regular phone calls and stuff like that. But no, Gross. it's just set a little bit in the past. Oh. oh <laughs> and okay. I got very confused. But this is based on a, a very, 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 very popular series of books by a man called Jonathan Stroud. Um, and I don't know if you've ever heard of him before, Michael. He's, he's a big fan of an alternate London. His previous trilogy was the Bartimaeus trilogy where uh, gin and summoning demons was a real thing in oh. Victorian London. That doesn't and ring a bell. It was all about that. It's a great, great series of books. I read them when I was much, much younger. Um, and I may pick these up. So what happens is, Michael, it's a great series following Anthony Lockwood, who runs the Lockwood Agency, and his new hire, who is Lucy, and George, his kind of research and assistant guy, and it's just them taking on various spooky things around London with a very good underlying plot. So in this, Michael, there's there's an overarching... There are very, very popular agencies. One is Fitz, and Fitz is the most popular agency in England, right? And everybody, every young person dreams of working for Fitz. That's their, that's their big dream. And uh, you have to be the best of the best to get in. But naturally, Michael, that comes with a lot of um, snarkiness and clickiness and all the other things. And we basically get to see them go out. But one of the best things about this, Michael, is it'd make you fucking scared of the dark. (laughs) Ghosts are no good in this. Oh, that sounds great. They're very scary. And I, I really enjoyed it. I think it really... So often when we see this, Michael, you know, the ghosts are screamy and blah, blah, blah. But this, if you get what's called ghost touched... You die. Oh. Ghosts only have to touch you and you kick the bucket. Oh, don't want that. And there are lots of ways to fight them. Um, all agency, all agents are uh, issued with a rapier made of iron and that's how you fend off ghosts. It's got classic rules. Like iron. They don't like iron. They've got salt. You've got salt. You've got silver. You've got iron. You, those three don't, they don't go together. And one of the things I really enjoyed about this, Michael, was the lore. The world building is really solid. It doesn't break its own rules at all. And it makes for such a better watch. It's really, really good. Um, it almost sounds like they would like this, Benjamin. Our friend Connor. Yeah, our friend Connor would probably love this, Michael. He'd probably love this. He'd probably like, it's great. There's all sorts of ghosts and magic and rules. He loves rules. He loves a rule. He loves a tight magic system, Michael. Mm, he does. Sounds delicious. Uh, and this is very, very good. I, I watched the whole thing, Michael. I binged it. I didn't mean to binge it, but I did. Um, and, Michael, thoroughly enjoyable show. Now, it's not winning any Oscars, but it's a very yeah. engaging, fun show where you care about the characters. The special effects are great, which is very unexpected. And the action is fantastically paced. Sounds excellent, Benjamin. Of course, it's not going to win any Oscars because the Oscars aren't for television. It's not going to win any Emmys Benjamin. Either. Speaking of things that go bump in the night, would you stop bumping your microphone there for a second? You're going to upset the listeners. Sorry. And also, speaking of things that go bump in London, both of us have seen extraordinary episodes one to four. I've seen the whole season, Michael, but we're only going to review episodes one to four. Very good, Benjamin. I hated every second of it. Really? No. No, but I decided to lead with a. I decided to lead with a shocking statement to to get to get to get the juices flowing, as they say. Michael, I thought this was fucking great. <laughs> I didn't like it. I didn't hate every second of it. There's lots of good about it. Yeah. But it falls too much into the trap of being a modern show with terrible, unlikable women and idiot men. And I just couldn't get over it. Oh, that's so interesting. I, I agree. Idiot men are everywhere in this. There's there's yeah. not one good it's, man in this, except maybe Ardlow Handlon. Yes, <laughs> He exactly. seems like a very good man. Yeah. 
Um, well, there are going to be spoilers, obviously, because there are actually a surprising amount of twists and turns in it. Really it's good a, ones. Yeah, some really, really seriously good ones. And I the cried. Ardlo the Ardlo Hanlon twist in particular, Benjamin, was a spectacular. Oh, so, spectacular, Michael. So without getting too much into it, without getting too much into it first, spoilers are coming, including the fact that there is a spoiler about Ardlo Hanlon. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I just, I, I liked a lot of it. Mm. But I just can't get over how unlikable the main character is and how unlikable, how unlikable but in a cool way all the women are and how unlikable but in an idiotic way all the men are. So Just, <laughs> there wasn't a single character in this that I cared about learning more about. Oh, Except I don't, maybe that's, that's so interesting. I, I think, so th- there's a few, there's a few tropes in there that that definitely define the characters and let them interplay off each other but I think it gives them a lot of room for growth Michael I think like I think all these people are very unlikable because they're in their early 20s mm. and I was I was thoroughly unlikable arguably still thoroughly unlikable but <laughs> like I was a bit of a dope in my early 20s go on and I think this show I think this show does it very well. I I think so. It stars Jen, Carrie, and Cash. Those are our central three. Hmm. Um, and Cash is an egregious. asshole. He's egregious. He's egregious. He, he's a terrible he's a, character. Um, oh, and there's nothing redeeming about him. No, worst character. He's like something straight out of like the cheap BBC or Channel Four sitcoms of the nineties. Yeah, he was probably in Tracy Beaker at some point. Yeah, or yeah. Um, Babes in the Wood. Except I don't know what that is. It was a dreadful sitcom on BBC that lasted one season with Denise Van Outen um, in about 1995, 1996. And the, the writing of this, some of the jokes are better, but the characters feel like straight out of that era. But they're gender swapped. Yeah. Um, and, oh, I just cannot stand Cash. Cash is terrible. But then we have the two main characters and we have Jen and we have Carrie. And I Mm. think what's really interesting about those characters is Jen is very unlikable. Carrie isn't. Carrie just doesn't have a backbone and she grows it slowly over the course of the season. I, Mm. I think maybe where this falls down in terms of reviewing is it really is a season long plotting for these characters. Like their character arc is a season long. Um, Go on. And once you get to the end of the season, well, there's some very earned payoff. Is there? Oh, yeah. Do they, do they become likeable? Not all of them. Okay. What Not about her stepsister? Them. Her stepsister's just a gal. Yeah. Oh, horrible. <laughs> but her mum's a gal as well. Uh, but her mum is funny. Her mum her mom is only funny because you have a clear Irish mammy reference mode and you're like, mm. ha, my mum said stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And she's the nun from Dairy Girls. And she's the nun from Dairy Girls. So this was written by an Irish woman. Yes, very obviously. From the, Very obviously, Michael. But I have to say there were points in this where I laughed out loud. Jizzlord was a personal favourite character. I thought he was gas. Hated him. Hated, hated him. Hated every second of him. Hated him. Absolutely hated him. I loved like, him. I thought he was excellent. rid of... Even the name just upset me. I just, oh, oh. I, I mean, actually didn't think it was that bad. I thought it was really enjoyable. I thought it had a kick-ass soundtrack. I thought it, it's it's very much Gen Z humor in a lot of places, which is hard for a a, a person who's not from Gen Z to write, which I think maybe is you, why it ben. misses the mark every once in a while. What are you saying? No, no, no. I'm saying it's tough to write. Okay, you're not having to go at me. Not having to go you. at you. You're a young I'm man at heart. <laughs> I don't uh, disagree, Ben. But yeah, um, I I actually really liked it. The one flaw in, in all of it is that superpowers are a secondary. Um, mm. They spent they spent all their money on the pilot. Yes, and we see very few superpowers outside of some blue contact lenses. Um, yes, I mean. Cash's superpower in particular is world changing, but so many of them are. Carrie's talk channeling the dead superpower. I like the jo- the gag about Hitler and bringing Hitler back and telling him about how they were well the Jews are getting shit on. out of him. The, but it has loads of moments like that where you just go, <laughs> "Yeah, that was that was good. That was quite clever." But like Cash, Cash can turn back time. 
Yes. And he does it to make a wank joke, but he doesn't do it to stop them from being mugged. No, that's interesting because he has performance anxiety, you see. Oh, is it? I think that's I think that's the underlying kind of topic to it. But I, I thought the girl who plays Jen was very good. I thought the girl who played Carrie played her very well. I th- I liked mm. their friendship. Yes. Actually, I liked the, the, the deep support you felt. Yes. I, I mean, I thought the actress who plays Jen, actual cork, actual cork human, she was, she's really good. Like, she, it's an she's very good. incredible performance. It's a very, very good performance as a very unlikable character. It, it is a bit as if Fleabag met Netflix and they did the yeah. deal that way. Yeah, yeah. I think Fleabag is kind of to blame for a lot of this, but Fleabag was so good and so sublime. Yeah. And Fleabag had a broad spectrum of... Fleabag managed to tow that line. There's a helicopter just above my house, Benjamin. I don't know if it's going to be picked up on the mic. It's very loud. <laughs> oh, they found you, Michael. oh It's because you drilled it's two Netflix. holes in your wall. <laughs> it's it's Disney Plus, Benjamin. They've said someone's not liking Extraordinary <laughs> episode one to four. But um, Eliminate Fleabag them. was so sublimely written that every character had aspects which were both admirable and just appalling. And it was... It just towed the line incredibly between cringe watching and like supporting the characters. But when I was watching this, I was just looking at the characters going, these are these are all assholes, but not in a funny, relatable way. <laughs> They're just unpleasant. Yeah. They're all unpleasant in their own ways. Like her friend Carrie is unpleasant in that she's such a milksop. Yeah, but I, I really do think it's funny because this is one of those occasions where one to four isn't going to cut it. Okay. It's cool. it's a season-long thing. And some of it is still unearned. Like, it's not a flawless show by any stretch of the imagination. But I thought I thought it had a great energy. I thought it was paced excellently. Mm. Like, those episodes fly by and you feel you don't you don't feel them. Um so I, I think that has something going for it. I think it's a high energy, fun show, and I genuinely laughed out loud sometimes at some of the deliveries and some of the the gags, some of the best post credit mini gags I've ever seen. I only remember the one where she shouted dog her tits. Yeah, <laughs> but that's hilarious Was to it? me. Well, I thought I so, was... but maybe I I'm. Think... I don't no, know. I didn't. Maybe I'm a dope. I, I, I mean, I think it's doing well. I think it's getting good reviews. I, like I said, I thought the performance of the lead, the 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 lead actress whose name I've forgotten sadly, but her performance was the main thing that yeah. I enjoyed about it. Yeah. I liked some of the, I liked the Hitler joke and I liked, um, I really liked the Ardlow Hanlon thing. That was incredible. I, I think... What a good punch, Michael. What a oh, good punch. Incredible scenes. I think it would have been better as a drama. I it, think... Yeah. If it had put a little bit more effort into making the characters a bit more real, I think there is the core of a great series there. But I think being that most of the characters are shitty sitcom characters just pushed it over the edge into unbearable for me. You see, I, I think it's going to be a while, Michael, before we get a chance for Irish people to be in dramas again because of Dairy Girls. No, no bad thing. Well, but for every dermal Dairy Girls, Ben, there's a normal people. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And Paul Meskel, Ben. The Brits are trying to cram him again. No, oh, no, he is a British actor, Michael. He's a British actor. British B- actor, Paul BBC Meskel. BBC said it. <laughs> um, anyway, look. He got an apology look. for that during the week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's so, he's so timid. Isn't he lovely? He's a very, he's a gentle man. He's a very gentle man. Yeah. I'll we tell should you probably try and get him on the podcast. He's probably too he gentle probably to would. say no. He, he wouldn't say no and we'd be exploiting him. Like the BBC. Benjamin. Yeah. Sure, look, we don't have time for that because we put up a poll on Instagram. We did. An incredibly successful series of polls that for some reason keep getting more uh, engagement than we think they will. Thank you, by the way, to the people who are giving us that engagement. That's very much appreciated. And I tell you what we put up this week. We put up what is everybody's favourite M. Night Shyamalan film. Yeah. (laughs) And we gave them four options. We did. We gave them the options of, what were they? I don't remember. Unbreakable, The Sixth Unbreakable, Sense. Unbreakable, The Sixth Sense. The Sixth Sense. Yes. Signs. Yes. Or Signs. Signs, yeah. And Split. Split, my, one of my favourites. And I tell you what, Ben, surprisingly, 
Split absolutely ran away with it. Ran away with it, Michael. 43%. 43% of all of the votes were split. And shockingly, in my opinion, only 7% for Unbreakable. Unbreakable's not that good. But I think Unbreakable has tarnished its own legacy with Glass. Go, yeah, well, I mean, if, if there's one man, Michael, who knows yes. how to tarnish his own legacy... Very good. It's M. Night Shyamalan. Um, I think my favourite thing with Ben was our follow-up question was, did we miss your favourite? And most of the answers were along the lines of, no, absolutely not. Yeah, one one answer was, (laughs) no, they're all shit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, poor M. Night Shyamalan, Benjamin. So we decided to, in in honour of the upcoming Knock at the Cabin, Mm. knock, 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 please let me in, it's me, Dave Bautista. Yes, knock, knock, Um, knocking on Cabin's door. Very good. Um, it's me, Dave Batista. Um, <laughs> I'm not funny anymore. I'm scary now. Watch out. Oogly, oogly. Um, we decided to take a look at the ups and downs of M. Night Shyamalan. And particularly, Ben, we decided to take a look at your favourite M. Night Shyamalan film. <laughs> that, was, that was genuinely... I just genuinely got tongue-tied there. That wasn't an attempt at a joke. Yes, <laughs> we decided to take a look at your favourite M. Night Shyamalan film. Le- 2006's... Lady in the Water. Michael, we weren't. We were so wrong. Oh, boy. So, Benjamin, the the career of M. Night Shyamalan is kind of like, it's like two towers on either side of a deep, deep valley of despair. (laughs) There was his early hits of The Sixth Sense, Signs, and Unbreakable. And then there was The Village, 2004's The Village. That's the tipping point. That's where it started, people started to go, is this guy a one-trick pony? (laughs) And people figured out the twist of The Village from the trailer. Did they? Yes, very much so, yeah. Oh, wow. I went into The Village going, this is set in modern times and the monsters are the elders of The Village in in costumes. Oh. And that's what it was. And you got it. I got it. But then, Benjamin, we had 2006 Lady in the Water. Yeah. And I don't think it's his worst film. Oh, fuck. Because there's some real serious shit after it, too. Yeah. It's only a couple of years before The Happening. Oh, The Happening! Which is probably his worst film. Marky Mark. Marky Mark, watch out for those trees. They're making everybody kill each other. Fucking trees. Fucking tree. I thought it was racism, but it was trees. No, he's racist. Yeah, yeah, that's the joke. Um, oh. So anyway, what I, what, I, what I was about to say, Benjamin, is if it weren't for a couple of egregious things about Lady in the Water, it probably would have been just remembered as one of M. Night Shyamalan's not-that-great films. Yeah. But there are a couple of things about it that make it so that it essentially drew the ire of critics, fans, moviegoers, people with eyes, people who are listening to the audio description. And basically, M. Night Shyamalan set out his stall and made the world hate him with this film. Yeah. (sighs) And then the next few bombed. And it was only with Split... That he kind of redeemed himself. Kind of. And started the Shyamalan renaissance. We didn't get one though. Hang on. We're in the midst of a Shyamalan renaissance. We are not. We are, Benjamin. We've had Split, which was okay. Glass? Although we've had Split, Benjamin, which easily won our... um, Poll. Our our poll. Um, Before Split, we had The Visit. Right. And The Visit was pretty well received because it wasn't very M. Night Shyamalan. The, vi- the Visit is just a horror film. I didn't even know M. Night Shyamalan was involved in that. Exactly. It's a found footage horror film. He went and said, I better stop doing M. Night Shyamalan films and make a good film again. Come here to me. Is, is The Visit the one with the grandparents? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Or is it? That's a fucking awful film. It's, I think it's quite good. No, no. It's, it's quite good, but it's awful. Oh, it's horrible. Like, yeah, horrible it, you walk away on. from it feeling worse. Yeah. As a member Absolute, of humanity. Absolute horrible goings on. Yeah. Blah. Yeah. Then he made Split, and Split's very good. 
Yeah. And introduced the world to Anya Taylor-Joy. Yeah. And James McAvoy crawling around the ceiling going, Ah! I'm going to get you. <laughs> I'm going to get you. Look at me on the ceiling. But in Scottish. And, um, ah, I'm going to get you. No, he had all sorts of accents, remember? Oh, yeah. He had, he had any sort of accent you want. Really proved um, that James McAvoy is quite good at his job. Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, it was a seminal film for both Anya Taylor-Joy and James McAvoy. And um, Night Shyamalan. Then a couple of weaker ones and Glass was pretty shit and old, wasn't very exciting. And Old got knock, old knock, fast. It did indeed. And now Knock Knock Knock, It's Me Dave Bautista, is getting pretty good hype at the moment. It seems to be, people seem to be enjoying it. The Shyamalan's commences then, I guess. Is it or is it already? But anyway, mm. let's talk about 2006 Lady in the Water and why... It drew the entire world's ire to M. Night Shyamalan. So, Michael, there's a few things you probably wouldn't want to be going into this film. Yes, an eyeball haver. An eyeball haver, or to be more specific, a critic. Yes. Okay, let's talk about the critic character. So this this must be... This must be why critics turned on him. It is, 100%. Yeah. So this scene is kind of famous, I think, now as as uh, demonising of critics. He he takes uh, Bob Balaban, yes, and he turns him into a critic, yes, and he's just thoroughly unlikable from the start. He's a rude, obnoxious little man. Yeah, he's a horrible little film and play critic. Yeah, and what happens is he's set up as an expert and a possible helper of. Um, Cleveland Heap who is the main character played by Paul Giamatti who is far and away doing that film a service he, best thing in it by far by a country also, Paul Giamatti is surrounded by people who are just never going to be in his level well Jared Harris is in this Jared Harris is there as a stoner what's Jared that Jared Harris as a stoner it's weird and I think to her credit um, Bryce Dallas Howard has actually become quite a good actress and I don't think it's her fault that she's so terrible in this. No, but she's she's given about 16 lines. But it's it's such a gross, low-energy, unappealing performance. Yeah. And to have your kind of main character who's essentially just really a plot device, but to have her be so gross and unappealing... Um, is such a flaw of the movie. It's she's not likable. She's not engaging. She's not mysterious, and she's, she's supposed to be. Yeah, and it the, just doesn't work. The movie anyway, keeps sorry. telling us how magical she is. Yeah, and I go, oh, you must have to be there. It's like a, you must have yeah. to be there. She of, just seems anemic and underfed to me. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's like spruce her up a bit. Just give her a bit of energy. Um, and I guess they're going for a man, uh, magic pixie, mysterious fae feeling. But it doesn't feel like that. It just doesn't feels land. super low energy. It, it really doesn't land. And I'm willing to give... What's her name again? Bryce Dallas Howard. Bryce Dallas Howard. Story. Uh, Story. I'm willing to give Bryce Dallas Howard the benefit of the doubt and say that's directing that's done that. Yeah, no, it 100% is. That's M. Night Shyamalan's very forceful hand back in the day, Michael. Because she's done, for example, Gwen Stacy in Spider-Man 3, and that's not a great movie. But it's but a good performance. It's. I don't even know if it is a good performance, but it's an upbeat, energetic, happy performance. Like, she has some range, is what I'm getting at. Yeah. So it's not just that this was all they could get out of her. Yeah. This is what they wanted out of her. Anyway, Paul Giamatti. The timeless and ageless Paul Giamatti, who has been 60 for 100 years. Yeah. In everything. What were you what were you saying about him? He, well, hang on, we need to go back to Bob Balaban, Michael. Okay, this, Bob Balaban. This yeah. scene has to be discussed to be believed. He sets up this character, Michael, and at one point he's mistaken for the the understand the guiding hand who understands all film plots. And the yeah. insult of it is, who would take such a risk with these people's dreams and lives? Who would mm. be so arrogant? as to presume yeah. to no man. And I was just like, hold the fucking phone, M. Night. Hold on a second. Get now. off your soapbox and direct that movie. Get I down. actually do a pop culture criticism podcast, M. Night Shyamalan, so I'm going to take that personally. I didn't take it personally at all because it's fucking ridiculous. It is ridiculous. The, the most ridiculous line of the whole thing is who would be so uh, egotistical or vain to 
judge another person's intent. Incredible, Ben. But incredible. it's out of nowhere. It's just shoehorned in. It's incredible. But not only does he take a massive swing at critics, I think the general movie-going public would have let him off the hook for taking such a big swing at critics if he hadn't simultaneously cast himself as the saviour of mankind. Disgusting. (laughs) Absolutely incredible scenes. That character could have been... That character should have been Jared Harris. He's right there! He's right there! You've got Jared Harris playing a stoner and... Every scene he's in, he looks like the most intelligent person in the room. Yeah, he's just right because... there. <laughs> and just have it, just let Jared Harris do that. Don't cast yourself. Whether it is ironic, whether it is a joke or not. Just don't, don't do it. Don't cast yourself don't as the saviour of humankind who's going to write a piece that changes the world in the same movie... Where you set your stall out against critics. Fucking ridiculous. Even people who can't read subtext, Benjamin, watch that movie and go, that's a bit much how he had, like, the writer character be the saviour of humankind. But I... Who... (laughs) But then, then you tell them, that's actually M. Night Shyamalan himself playing that role. And they, all right, fuck that guy then. I'm not going to watch another one of his films until 2013's Split. Michael, I don't think he understands the word subtext. <laughs> I, I think this is it. I think he thinks that's good movie making. Well, he might have, Benjamin. I think this and The Happening and a few others taught him a lesson. It's nearly 20 years later, Michael. It's only... F- oh, yeah, it is, yeah. No, 2006, years. man. It's, it's like, it's, 17 it's 17 years ago. So he must yeah, have yeah. learned something in between. He also did The Last Airbender, Michael. You skipped over his absolute tanking. Yeah, I did. That's true. Benjamin, the, it's so weird. This is such a weird movie. There, there are a couple of other egregious things about it as well. I find the, the Korean family is so, so racist. racist. It's so racist. First of all, it's gone down the route of the, the wise old Asian woman. The wise old mysterious Asian woman who can only have the story translated. But there is nothing Korean about that story. That story is a load of bollocks. Narfs. Narfs. and Scrunts. Scrunts. Look at this scrunt over here and the bloody trugaloos or whatever they are coming out of the tree. There's nothing Korean. What the fuck was that, Michael? There's nothing inherently Korean specifically or even... East Asian broadly about any of about it that, about any of it so why is it the wise old Asian woman who needs to be translated who has to be has to tell them the story and then even worse why did they hire not a Korean person to play the Korean character and then she does that terrible non-Korean accent it's no wonder it's, we never saw her again <laughs> Oh, it's it's appalling. That is an appalling performance of a of a Korean American immigrant. Like these days, we have so much access to diversity in movies and TV yeah. that you can instantly see. Like, look at Kim's Convenience, for example. Yeah, there is nothing Korean about the way that Young Soon is speaking. Nothing. The mother is probably a Korean accent. A Korean accent, possibly, but I couldn't say. I think she is uh, because she's she definitely speaks Korean, but the the kind of generic kind of Chinese or Thai accent yeah. that Young Soon is doing, mm. no Mm-mm. mucho no me gusta Ben. No mucho no me gusta. Going, no no me gusta muchos. But come um, here to me, Michael. Really that, weird. That, that's not even the worst of it, man. It's the shoehorning for me. Bloody Cleveland heap, Michael. Yes, Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti. First of all, terrible dialogue between him and Story. Second of all, like, oh, oh, your name means from the cliffs. I know that because I studied. Yeah, where? Where? Where did you get that information? Mm. Where? Number two, very strange reaction from Paul Giamatti, who very calmly accepts a woman in his room after he nearly drowned. The... The whole film is weirdly... Everyone's weirdly accepting of everything. That's what I'm trying to hit on. Why is nobody looking at this man who says, can you please come with me downstairs to the the room? There's a young lady who needs... (laughs) What? Jeffrey Wright's in it. Jeffrey Wright's in it. 
He's doing a Commissioner Gordon. He's just like, I'll go and get my son. He every line of dialogue he's had so far has been about cereal boxes, so I'll go and get him. Uh, Michael, it's it's an egregious film. It's it's the arrogance <laughs> for me. M. Night Shyamalan really said, I understand myth. I am going mm. to recreate a story that highlights the importance of myth. And then proceeds to name his character's thing like story. And it's a scrunt. That's the, that's the bad guy. That's and the baddie, it's his, a scrunt. His, his law keepers are three mm. monkeys, which I don't know why, but struck me as racist. I felt like there was something <laughs> racist about wasn't that. Wasn't as racist as Soon Young, Ben. It wasn't as racist as Soon Young, but very few things are. Young Sue? I think it was Doesn't Young matter. Uh, it, it doesn't it's actually. fucking weird film, man. Like... Really, really bad. And then, to top mm. it all off, oh yeah, she needs to get an eagle out of there. Yeah, yeah. But we don't have the CGI budget for it, so film it from through the water. Film it from through the water in a big <laughs> swoop. And then just end the film. Oh, brilliant. It's incredible. End the film. <laughs> incredible. And to add further insult to injury for his audience, yes, what happens is, at the start of the movie, we get treated to... What I can only assume is cave painting esque um, yeah, yeah, yeah. exposition, just in case you didn't get it. <laughs> yeah, totally unnecessary. He primes so- you with a stupid backstory about how we used to go to the water all the time, but we don't do that anymore. Ah, uh, man! And we actually said to each other, Michael, we said that was his last good one before going off the deep end for a while. No. I knew it wasn't Ben. I was trying to trick you. Oh, you got me. You got me. <laughs> Michael, not a good film. You're very messy and all over the place. And poor Paul Giamatti, he really gave it socks. Look, though, there is not an actor in this film who hasn't come out of it for the better. Except for Young Soon. Or, what, yeah, yeah. What's her name? Um, but uh, I think it was Young Soon. You, yeah. Um, but, I mean, they're all... One of the fun things about it is seeing. Oh, they're much. He's much more famous now. Oh, she's much more famous yeah. now. Jeffrey oh, Wright's much more famous, famous now. Jeffrey Wright, he's in everything. There's bloody Jared Harris. Very famous now. Very famous. He's in everything. There's bloody Bryce Dallas Howard. She's done all right for herself. She's being chased around jungles by dinosaurs. Yeah, all the time. Chris Pratt too. <laughs> he's not in it. No, he's being chased. He's chasing Bryce Dallas oh. Howard. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, right. okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, very interesting film, Michael. Um, such an arrogance to have the 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 critic and the writer. Oh, it's too much. It's, it's too, too much. much, and it's and, exactly and why everybody turned on him. A lot of it feels like a first draft as well, or a student film. It's just. I I think it, this was just on the cusp of M Night Shyamalan can do no wrong. Hmm. You know? uh, well, I mean, this was, I think this, you said earlier that um, The Village was the tipping point. I actually think this was. Okay. Because The Village is okay. Yeah. It's not a bad film. But this is weirdly shot, badly written, preachy, self-aggrandizing. It's so preachy. It's weird. It's a weird, weird, weird unappealing vanity project to watch film (laughs) and this was the turning point i think and no matter what he produced after this it was going to be a battle and it just so happens what he made after this was even worse yeah what did he make directly after this i think the happening was next after this or, or last airbender it was one of those two god so this was a real low point yeah um and again, like, there's some aspects of it that could have worked, but I don't remember seeing a film before where so little worked. Yeah. I, even old. There, there are bits of old that are reminiscent of this. Go on. But just the kind of... I think the main... Th- the, the, the way that old reminded me of this was the kind of just levels of acceptance of everything. Yeah. Like I like in my films when something gross and unexpected happens, people react to it properly. But we, like humans, yeah, like humans might. But I, it feels sometimes like M. Night Shyamalan has never met a human. But then he made Split, and Anya Taylor Joy's performance in Split is great. Yeah, you know her all of her reactions. But that that's what grounds Split is that there's a normal person who's dealing with this weird situation. I think he might have just 
learned to give her acting choices. Like, he was just like, well, maybe I should Lady in the Water is a weird, on the weird film. Though. Ladies and gentlemen, what did you think of Ladies in the, Ladies in the Water? That's a very different film. Don't look that up. Um, <laughs> Lady in the Water, what did you think of it? Uh, ladies and gents, let us know in a couple of different places. You can find us on the interwebs at www.shomrabeag.com, S-E-O-M-R-A-B-E-A-G.com. It means tiny room in Irish. It does indeed. You can find us on Instagram at Sherlock Listen Podcast. You can. It means Sherlock Should Listen in English. Sherlock Should Listen, that's the name of the podcast. Shomra Pyog is a production company. Just, I've just realised we never really explained that. Yeah, we never explained that. No, that's, that's, we why, just, that's why they have different things. Do you know why, Michael? Because uh, Shomra Pyog has several podcasts. And we also trust the audience to figure it out. Oh, yes. Yeah. Unlike M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> Unlike M. Night Shyamalan. You can also find us on Twitter at ListenSure. It means listen sure in English. It does indeed. And we're also now, Michael, on TikTok. Yeah. Oh, we're on TikTok. We're doing mad numbers. We're on TikTok. We're doing mad numbers on TikTok. At your look, she listen. Benjamin, my mother saw us on YouTube Shorts the other day. She was very upset. Get out of here. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, mixed mum. Cle. Sorry, Colette. That was Cle. Cle. Yeah. Sorry, Cle. Yeah, well, I'll tell her. Yeah, no, I really do apologise. Very insulting. <laughs> um, we didn't say anything about Clep, by the way. We just oh. we we have we have blue tongues, as it were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah as it were. Um, yeah. Come here to us, ladies and gentlemen. We have a very special guest next week. Um, confirmed. So Michael's oh, very to, good. Yeah. That has just happened. Obviously, we have Stephen J. Cadwell on to talk to all things circus and pop culture. Oh. Michael, we have resident circus expert. Doctor of Circus. Doctor of Circus, Dr. Stephen J. Cadwell, on to give us a bit of circus know-how when it comes to pop culture and talk about the benefits of youth circus for the youths, Michael. Oh, the youths, doing a big flip and whatnot. For the youths, doing a big flip and whatnot. So we're looking forward to that next week and we'll do lots of engagement. Oh, I love engagement. On that. Thank you very much to everybody who got in touch with us. The best way to get in touch with us directly, ladies and gentlemen, hop up on that Discord. Hop up on it, or just on Instagram. We're getting some loads of messages on Instagram these days, Ben. It's it's a good uh, good method. Yeah, we're doing well on Instagram. Look at us. Look at us. Who's people, better than people, us? Yeah, lots. Oh L- my god, lots. Don't so many people. So many. So many. So many people. <laughs> well, anyway, look. Sure, look, Ben. As they say, sure. Listen. We'll see you next Tuesday. <laughs>